0: Took...
1: He's has got radio,
2: love love the This is episode 352 for January 2015. A little heads up about this episode. We recorded it in early December, so you might hear a few Christmas references in this. Uh, I wanted to time it out so the Mark Bagley interview came out and was our 350th episode, because it was kind of special. I really enjoyed talking to him, and 350 is a big milestone. So this one slowly got pushed into the new year, but it's getting released. Before we get to the episode, I'd appreciate your support to make sure more of these episodes Episodes are released and help us pay the bills. So log on to our front page at SpidermanCrawlspace.com. Look for a button that says support this site via PayPal. You can help us pay the bandwidth costs and keep the lights on. Alright, gang, we're going to answer your message board questions coming up right now. All right, Carl Spacer, it's time to tackle your dozens of message board questions, and I appreciate you getting them MMM so quick. I didn't uh, put the thread up uh, until a couple days before we uh, record this, and you guys gave me two full pages of questions, so thank you for being so quick. Uh, the first one is from uh, Zipline and his location is on Brad's list. Uh to, to still a nerd, what if every Spider-Man killed by Moreland in Spider-Verse could rev- uh, revive through the other as a sort of a backdoor for just like Earth 616 Peter Parker. This could include MC2 Peter Parker and everyone else as a theory it does have some solid evidence.
0: Well, I think I I get what he's uh what I get uh, after you're getting at to I mean, after if you if anyone has read that otherwise Got awful. Uh, the other revolver died. If you actually, even if you read the Scarlet Spider series, there's a thing about where if when Peter, I guess, died and then molded his skin and then went into a little cocoon and had a little morphous, like a pretty little butterfly or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he had like. I, what happened. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but. Um, yeah. but I I mean, like
3: mean, pretty little butterfly.
0: Yeah, because, but. Um,
3: but pretty, pretty little spider. Yes. Yeah.
0: But the whole thing, but I think considering how Kane in this story is established as being the host of the other, I don't think that's going to happen with the other spiders. But there is a back door, and I think I mentioned this on a pre on the, one of the previous podcasts. We have that Master Weaver character, where we've seen him be able to um, break threads, and then things fade literally just get disintegrate out of existence. So if he can actually break threads. And he's capable of weaving threads, then it makes sense that he would also be able to weave bulletins. So I think, and I hope that this is not where Dan- where Dan Slott is going to go with this for the storyline. He could easily bring all the spiders who have been slain by the inheritors back by having the master weaver reweave their threads and bring them back that way. As a little, and literally, because he's already got Dusik's Machina powers already. So, you know, but. That's kind of what they cool. could
2: go to George or anyone else reading Spider Man twenty nine nine. I guess that's me and Mike and George. Ashley, you're reading Spider Man twenty yes. nine nine. I haven't caught up oh, on good. the
4: latest one. So oh, okay. did you read any of the uh,
2: early stuff in the nineties? Did you go back and read anything else?
4: Oh, I've I've read all of the uh, the um the original line too. Is what oh, like the, oh what nice.
2: I yeah. <laughs> okay, very cool. Okay. Very cool. Does anyone think that Peter David is trapped, cornered in his own continuity between the nineteen ninety? Two, and the 2014 series, given that there's already is a de facto ending, even though it was not written by him. Yeah, I wonder where this take, takes place, where, where this Spider Man 2099 is from.
3: <clears throat> Regardless of where, of or more more correctly, when uh, yeah. he is from, uh, I don't think Peter David feels trapped by it either way, because Peter David is largely ignoring it, aside from Lila.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, the the whole chapter. world uh, flooded. And he became like a space god, if you read the end of 2099, that Manifest Destiny. He may be looking at it like chapter one and, and just pretending it never happened. <laughs> yeah, and he's better off to do that, because that, that ruined the character if you keep going through that time. it was not a good ending on that. And I'm, I, well, I, no. I, I've always wanted to
3: talk to Peter David and find out how pissed, if, if, if at all, he was about that.
2: Yeah. yeah. To Brad, with, writing, uh, with DC writing comic book spinoffs was Batman 66 and Wonder Woman 77. Will you expect Marvel to continue some of their Spider-Man TV shows through comics like Amazing Friends 81 or Spider-Man 94? How do you, we make it known we want one? We kind
3: of touched on this a little last month, didn't we? Yeah,
2: we, <laughs> yeah a kinda little, little bit. bit. This was, he, the other question was Spider-Man 77 with the live-action Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that would sell. I mean, it would probably sell as good as a $90 Secret Wars action figure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a limited group. That would buy that month in and month out. So, if you if you could get Brad, yeah. if you could
3: get a good writer and a good artist who who can write the 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 three spider friends. Yeah, well,
2: I'm da- you I'm you could sell
3: that book. You could sell it pretty easy. And you could make it. You could put it in their universe or their continuity. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: No, that's yeah, I agree. A good writer does everything. I mean, that's all you need. Yeah. Uh, to Jr., one thing I've always considered to be a plot hole in the world of Spider-Man is how in the hell does the Daily Bugle have any credibility if in places like, say, the movies portray civilians and police officers as actually appreciating our webhead and his efforts to do good?
1: Well that's you know, the answer to that is well, comic books. I mean uh, yeah. <laughs> just be, just because jo- J. Jonah Jameson's a great character and we don't really want to get rid of him, but no, I mean he you know, no. It uh, he his he and the bugle's credibility would have been shot to hell ages ago if this were anywhere remotely approaching the real world. It's just spider uh, players. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. yeah or or mean, the scorpion uh, too. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So well, no just, human
0: fly. You know <laughs> what's, what?
3: It's kind of a, it's kind of a and Jr. You can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but from what I've observed, for my own personal take on it, is that in the comics, J. Jonah being wrong about Spider-Man and still pushing that narrative, despite the fact that you know a lot of it, the in the in the comics universe are kind of mixed. Some people really like him, some people you know, and just your average everyday citizen doesn't really like him. But the fact that he's wrong and On some level, he knows he's wrong about Spider-Man, but he won't ever stop because it's more about him than it is Spider-Man. Where am I wrong?
1: No, you're right. It is about him. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Uh, But, you know, he'd have been been finished as a journalist a long time ago if this were, you know, anything other than comic books. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of the question the uh, Zipline is asking is how is, you know, how does it have any credibility? Well, only because it's comic books. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, Peter Parker faked the picture, and he got fired and, and blackballed. J. Jonah Jameson got so many stories wrong, and he didn't. You know, the <laughs> publishers
3: the publishers are mighty and bulletproof. I mean, William Randolph no. Hearst did a bunch of bullshit. Well, he owned more than one paper, though.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> He's, he was a lot bigger than, than Jameson. Never mind. I'll take that yeah. back. I'll walk it back.
2: Uh, Ashley, in your opinion, I'd like to ask, what is the value of collecting trade paperbacks instead of back issues? Or is value subjectively assigned from person to person when people think of a collection they don't expect hardcover books with bindings, or do they
4: um it's an interesting question um as far as the the trade paperbacks, I'm not personally a big fan of them they're you know they're the they're all in black and white they don't have the colors, the arts you, you kind of lose something with art there but um
2: like the essentials you're talking about, yeah, yeah,
4: the, the essential collections. Um, yeah, I guess the the benefit though would be they're a good way for um, new fans to get into some of the older comics and get some of those, you know, as they're marketed, the essential stories. I don't think mm. I would want to. Um, I wouldn't describe them as a collection. I want to be like, oh, hey guys, look at my. Let me show off my comic collection. It's just all these, you know, essentially reprints bound together in one book. I wouldn't consider them that. i so say their value comes from allowing new readers to catch up on some of yep. the better parts and just allowing a greater ease of access.
2: We have uh, Web Century with one of the uh, strangest avatars. Yep. With the oh. I'm looking at it covering. now. I love it. It's so <laughs> wrong, it's right. I mean you can't uh, you need to never change your avatar because it's so memorable but it's so disturbing. Yes, Web at the same Sentry, time. If you're
3: listening to this, you are forbidden from ever changing that avatar. <laughs> you
2: can't dude. In fact I'm saving uh, it to my desktop and I'll
3: go in and change it if you try
4: <laughs> it may sound like your phone we- lock screen oh god it's oh. larger oh god
2: <laughs> right. oh like he it. shrunk it oh well, that's a that's a bad picture to say ah. that oh, uh, 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 right web that? century is from England he just spilled his funyuns over there um, miss Ashley and the other mic <laughs> there is no other mic you're the only mic now I know I know. Uh, Brad has the Hulk. JR has the Punisher. George has Doctor Strange. Other Mike. I, actually, I'll correct this to Other Mike as well. Whom are your favorite heroes besides Spider-Man? And Ashley, you too. Who, yeah. Along with Spider-Man, who's your number two? Or maybe Spider-Man's not your number one. Ashley, you can uh, I
4: guess. Sure, I'll go first. Um, first, um, you, you don't have to call me Miss Ashley. That makes me feel weird. Just, just Ashley's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, he I mean, he said. I'm, it. I'm like, did I say it, it? Yeah. I'm looking at it as his question. Okay. But um.
3: But you're distracted uh, by that sexy avatar, aren't you?
4: <laughs> it's very distracting. Um, I might have to come up and challenge George for the right to Doctor Strange because he is additionally one of my favorites. Um.
3: I'm adopting you. It's official now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but I mean, Doctor Strange. Just, just. Does why Spider-Man would Rank you like any? One like he he's just he's so he's just awesome. He has one of the coolest yes. origin stories, just one of the coolest setups, and he, he's one of the most powerful characters in Marvel. But also, uh, I just really love his character. He's so down to earth as well. Y'all can't yeah. see how
3: big I'm smiling right now. <laughs>
4: he's
2: just, he's so now is your cool. number one, or where does Spider-Man rank in your heroes list? Is he number one mm. or, number four, or what?
4: for talking Spider-Man in general it yeah. might be number 1 Spider-Man as he is now is kind of a number 3 <laughs> yeah Doctor Strange yep. um I want to put him at number 1 because I just I adore him <laughs> but I'm not too I haven't read up a lot on him so I'm not familiar with some of his bigger stories I've read a lot of his beginning stuff and I'm I'm really turned off of of what's his name Baron Mordo
2: Baron Morrow, right.
4: yeah, his haircut. I'm, I'm not. It's <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: so you must have read the the Ditko stuff back in the day. Yes,
4: and yeah, okay, oh cool. God, it, was, it was fantastic. And also nice. the the season one retelling was
2: oh by Straczynski, yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: And then um and this uh, uh, alongside Doctor Strange, we were just talking about this in, the, in Skype chat. But my new one, of my new favorite is Kamala, Miss the new Miss Marvel. So oh
2: yeah, Miss Marvel. She
4: has really yeah. endeared herself to me.
2: And you also like Black Cat. And Black Cat. Uh, yeah. Do you like the villainous Black Cat as we've seen lately, or do you like her as an ally?
4: I like her as kind of a, an anti-hero, just kind of the yeah. you know going off and doing her own thing. I liked the Black mm-hmm. Cat line from um, a few years back where she had to rescue her mother from the offs. That was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the villainous yeah. take, I'm enjoying it, but... I'm not seeing how the dots are connecting. I don't yeah. really understand, you know, this doesn't seem like it's in her character. She's not she's not this angry vengeful ex that's just not her. She's the spurned ex and you know, she's the scorned yeah. woman, but she's not vengeful. Not yeah. for any True. lengthy amount of time.
3: Hey, Ashley, I'm sorry, Brad.
0: Just <clears throat> real quick.
3: Go ahead. Um because you were talking about Kamala and Miss Marvel and, and you know, we've here, none of us are actually reading that book, and we didn't really like her appearance in, in Spider-Man. It was mm-hmm. kind of wonky for us. But Definitely. what if you were trying to sell us to someone you know who's not familiar the character or why why we should read? What what why are the reasons that you actually like the character and like the book? I'm actually interested in that.
4: Okay, um, just what I'm sorry, her character? I'm sorry, Brad.
3: Brad's cursing me right now. No, no, I'm fine.
4: <laughs> oh, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um. It's just her character. She's just a real breath of fresh air, and just what I feel. uh, You know, media just really inundated with these strong, independent female stereotypes that are they're strong women but weak characters. Mm -hmm. And she's not. She's not like you know the strongest of women. She's not tough. She's not sassy. She's not. She's not Carol. Yeah, but she has all these, you know, vulnerabilities and flaws that make her really interesting, really easy to relate to and sympathize with. Like, I think what really sold her to me was, um, there's one panel, like she's just trying to figure out all these superhero, you know, all the superhero stuff. And she comes home and she's like, I just really wish I could talk about this with my mom and have her tell me it'll be okay. Mm. And it just felt so human. And so it's like, this is how you write a female character. This is actually something I can relate to as a woman. Which I I hate I hate that those words came out of my mouth. I don't like like basing liking a character based on their gender because it just it's so limited. But um,
2: it's written as by, a as opposed, it's written by a gal. As opposed to uh, as opposed to silk going around seeing who she can screw. Yeah, and in, in the in the pocket universe, yeah, isn't Miss isn't Marvel written by a
0: gal? Yes,
4: okay. I think so. Yeah, okay. She's so okay. just it's just very interesting. Brings a lot of new stuff to the field, and it's just it's. It's, it's cute.
2: Okay. So I've got I've got Hulk, Jr. Punisher, George, Doctor Strange, Ashley, Doctor Strange, Hell Mike. Yeah. Who is yours? Batman. Batman. Batman, Batman. Okay. Batman's
3: tough. dude. Batman's my Batman's well, my Batman's I mean, my. If we're, if
0: we're talking to comics in general, that's him. Um, Bat, if we're yeah, that's, go, that's your number two. If yeah. we're going to um, if we're going to, um, if, we're going to um, if we're going to Marvel, of course, Spider Man. But also other Marvel characters. I'm also a fan of. I think I mentioned this before. A fan of the X Men, but mostly the characters created by um, uh, Chris Claremont and Dave Cockburn. Um, Not so much. I'm also have a kind of a little bit of a sort of a soft spot for Ghostwriter. Not so much. uh, So um, not so much. Basically, um, both uh, the Johnny Blaze and Dan Ketch version, because the Dan Ketch version was actually my first exposure to Ghostwriter as a character. So no. I thought that was kind of so. I kind of have a so I kind of collected a whole bunch of those issues.
2: Let's give uh, some love to Howard Mackey. Kind of like, like how Spidey mm-hmm.
3: Dude came in, uh, Spidey Dude latched on to, uh, to, to Ben Riley because that's what that's who was Spider Man when he no. first started reading.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I'm, and also, and the other finally also Daredevil because I kind of think, yeah. especially the, the Frank Miller run, which I've actually have, I haven't quite read all of it yet, but I've read most of it, but you know, but you yeah.
2: know. JR, J. what do you think of the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes that featured the original cast? McCoy, Spock, and Scotty. I know McCoy had the briefest of cameos.
1: Um, let's see here. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the McCoy uh, cameo. Uh, I, actually, it was the best moment of the entire first season, because that first season of Next Generation <laughs> yeah. was really rough. Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, the Spock episode, or two-parter, was very disappointing. Uh, yeah. It wasn't a very good story. Was uh, under didn't use the character very well, and uh, I'm surprised. Well, Nimoy signed on to it because he was promoting Star Trek VI. That's the primary reason he signed on to it. Uh, I liked the Scotty episode. I thought the Scotty yeah, so. episode because uh, it had a good story. I mean, it was uh it was basically a, an old guy coming into the future and finding out that time has passed him by, and nobody really gives a shit about what he's got to say, even though he was <laughs> even though he was great in his own time. Um so those were kind of my uh, those. I, I wish you know, I wish they brought Jimmy doing back for another episode or two, or brought him on, put him on Deep Space Nine for an episode or two, or something. Oh yeah, that'd
3: been fun. I, I don't why know did, why they didn't. Why didn't you like reunification?
1: I just thought it was a very dull story. I mean, who cares? I just it just yeah. I I didn't, like the, been, yeah. I didn't like the idea of shipping Spock off to Romulus or whatever, and then leaving him down there in the caves. You know to. Uh, you know, to do what? You know, I didn't really understand. I didn't really get that. Um, that did just like didn't it? seem like.
3: Huh? Did you like it? Like, did you like the final moment, like when he mind melded with Picard so he could feel what Sarek, you know, felt about him? Uh, it was a very you know, human moment for him.
1: Yeah, but it, it, the thing is, though, it happened at the very end. It was almost like a throwaway moment. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, it just you know we don't know what the consequences of him, you know having that information was you know so we just know it got to him but then that was it and it was over boom you know
3: well it was kind of I, I don't know I mean I kind of in it kind of closure you know for for Spock you know because because you know he he always knew his father was or he always felt that his father thought less of him because of his human side but you know to find out what his you know what his dad actually thought about him.
1: Brad hates me right
3: now. Brad wants this <laughs> stuff.
1: <laughs> but it just ha- it was it's typical in next it was typical though of the way the next generation did things. You know, I mean they would mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, they, they would they like, would almost like they would build up a story, build it up, build it up and then like at the very end it would get interesting and then it was over. Um, you know, and, like and- like the one uh, where uh,
2: JR's not a, not a big Next Gen
1: fan if i remember correctly. No, i i you know i watched the Next Generation. I liked the yeah. Next Generation, particularly starting around season 4. I thought it was a, a great oh, show. Yeah. It was yeah. probably the best show on t te- on television for like a couple of years there. It was uh it, but it, it just got a rough start and and part of the problem was that that i had with it ultimately was when they killed off Kirk and you know it, it was apparent that Rick Berman and crew really in a way loathed the old show. You know, uh-huh. instead of seeing the old show as kind of, a, you know, the ancestor of it and, you know, kind of weaving it in a little bit here and there, it, it became apparent that they actually openly detested it uh, and thought that by killing Kirkhoff, that would, you know, bury it. Uh, and, well, so, much, you know, I guess we found out who got the last laugh there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: George, I remember you saying Ditko was your favorite uh, Doctor Strange artist. So who would be your favorite Doctor Strange writer?
3: Uh, my favorite Doctor Strange writer is easily Steve Englehart, the guy who wrote him, uh, before Stern in, back in the 70s. Uh, yeah. boy, you gotta some really trippy stuff with Steve Englehart. Um, <clears throat> Steve Englehart, and Roger, Roger Stern did this as well, um, found ways to make the character more human, and even though he's got all these powers, basically of a god, how he can still fail because of his own, you know, of his own failings, of his own inner trappings, and... And, you know, the fact that a lot of times Dr. Strange is, is sometimes his, his own worst enemy because he is still – there's still part of him that's, that's still the prideful surgeon he was before he got his powers who still thinks that, you know, because he is – it's not all the time, but there's moments when, when he thinks, well, I know more than anyone else does about this, and it gets him into trouble sometimes. Uh, but they did really – really good Steve Englehart and Roger Stern both after him did really good work on Dr. Strange.
2: To anyone who wants it, what makes an A list villain? Because Carrion, Spot, Electro, etc. have powers possibly above street level, yet are considered B level at best.
3: Okay, to say that Electro has powers possibly above street level is wrong. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) When you can shut down an entire city and make it go dark. Yeah, that's A. a, You are an A list villain. I'm sorry, you just not Carrion could have been an A list villain, but
2: uh, it's writing. And um, I, spot could have been too. He has portals they can go in and out of. But mm-hmm. yeah, they just played him for last. Was not more for? Yeah, I mean the fact that they played him
3: for last, and you know, there's a lot of what makes a good character is the writing behind it. Look at the hobgoblin for God's sake. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, A-list villains. You know, like uh, like Electro, who is one. You know, Green Goblin, Stegron. These are people who have <laughs> uh,
0: who are pasted. And
3: have many layers to them instead of just showing up and doing something.
2: Actually, are you familiar with Stegron? No. Oh okay. boy, you're. Fitz- he's a oh. dinosaur man. <laughs> <laughs> it's George's fa- favorite villain, I guess.
3: He's not, well, he's not a villain, Brad. He's more like a force of nature. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of like, you
2: know, he's an orange dinosaur. Basically,
0: think of the lizard, oh. except he's a. St-
2: yeah. Google Stegrock sometimes, and you'll see that uh, George is the biggest fan on the what internet. One of the most mightiest
3: <gasps> villains in Spider-Man. Yes,
2: yeah. Enigma 2099, his location is classified. To the gang, on a scale of 1 to 10, ranked Sony's desperation with the Spider-Man franchise. 10 being the most, 1 being the, the least. Well, Go ahead,
0: anybody? 15. I'm going to <laughs> pull a spinal tap and crank it up to 11. On yeah. the scale.
4: <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the, I was looking up pictures oh. of Stegron. So. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Isn't, he, isn't that a guy kick ass?
2: <laughs> what other show can you hear that? Um, <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, Ashley, how cool does Stegron look?
4: <laughs> <laughs> pretty damn awesome.
2: Oh my god, you guys are bonding. Oh my you hear it <laughs> on the phone. He calls uh, himself
4: and the, the dinosaur man. That's pretty awesome. He
2: is. Uh welcome the newcomer Ash Ashley. A quick question. You're the newest edition. Have you gotten sick of my infectious laughter yet? Um <laughs> wow! I'm gonna
4: say y'all are probably gonna get sick of mine once you figure out that I snort when I start laughing really hard. I'm gonna oh,
3: be—you're
4: about to get one up, Brad. It's okay. I <laughs> fart when I
0: laugh, so you oh. oh. hey. hey,
4: it's
0: not a scratch and sniff podcast. Oh. Too much information. F- too much information.
2: F-
4: <laughs> too
0: far,
2: Brad. Too far. Fart and snort. Too far. That, that hurts. Uh, finally, tip of the hat to Spider Yoda, Mr. J.R. Next time these young'uns give you shit, just remember they have to get where we've been if they make it. All right. Now, wait a minute. Thank I, I think you. We
3: established that J.R. lost his position to Spider Yoda after the Secret Wars heresy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, didn't, yeah. Was that a consensus? or? Except J. Scar wins
0: Spider Jeopardy.
2: He won Spider Jeopardy. Candidly, so too. I guess he got it back. J.R. got his groove back. My my cross is a first time poster. His coordinates are ten zero eleven zero two. <laughs> I don't know where that is.
0: Look it up. You, on need, Google a, you, Maps. Need, a, you need a cat. You need one of those. Yes, um, those, those cat, By the way,
2: I love when people put their locations on, on yeah. the the. So I appreciate that. Uh, Ashley, first off, welcome yes, to the cross. Uh, Here are my questions to Ashley. Are you reading any comics other than Amazing Spider-Man at the moment? We've established Captain Marvel. What else are you reading? Oh, Ms. Marvel. Oh, Miss Marvel. Ms. Marvel,
4: um, then some of the offshoots from from the Spider-Verse, like Spider-Woman, Scarlet Spiders, uh, 2099. Um, I think we just added the Miles Morales to our subscription list. Okay. Um,
2: Did you stop after the, it like, rebooted? Because you said you read Ultimates.
4: Yes. I Ultima, yeah. I stopped after they killed off Peter Parker because they broke wow. my heart. And that's still one of the saddest <laughs> things I've ever read. And mm-hmm. I think I'm finally at a point where I can just emotionally accept someone else in Ultimate Spider-Man. So I, I, I've heard Miles, Miles is a very good line.
2: Better accept He's, it quick because I think it's all ending.
4: Oh, well, <laughs> that's right. Yep.
2: Miles is a great character. Highly mm-hmm. recommend. I feel like. Uh, oh, go, yeah. go, no, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'd
4: say if, if I'm going to read it, I have to go back and read all of Ultimate again and give Peter his send off and then pick up Miles. Yeah. Up.
2: Uh, who are your two or three of your favorite Spider
4: Man villains and why? Um, I think my favorite Spider Man villain is Kingpin. He just wow. always brings these very. Um, yeah, it was very you know life or death situations. Just uh, Prince, all these really great, I don't know moral dilemmas for Spider-Man. It's just he has all this, not just uh, physical power, but influence. Mm-hmm.
2: And, if you know, you're a fan of the, if you're a fan of the Ultimate, you probably love that fight where he just trash talks
4: <laughs> during yes. that whole
2: fight. You, that's that's a great Ultimate it's Spider-Man Man scene. It's
4: fantastic, and it just goes yeah. on and it's perfect. But and he he's such a great villain in Ultimate. Like he he crushes yeah. the guy's head. And the, he threatens yeah. to blow up the school. It's like, oh my God. And, it, and you actually believe he would do it. He <laughs> presents a very real threat. Yeah. And it's just, he's, I, I really like him just in any iteration. He just has a very big presence just physically and um, metaphorically. So I think he's right. a great villain.
2: He also asks if you have any C or D list villains that you like.
4: Um, I'm kinda new to this uh listing. <laughs> like I'm hearing like the A list. I get the I get the concept, but uh for talking
2: Some would possibly say Stegron is a <laughs> low C or D list villain. Not that I would say this.
3: No one would say that, Brad.
2: <laughs> Swarm would be he's a he's a Nazi covered in bees.
3: It's a Nazi skeleton covered in bees.
2: Nazi skeleton covered in bees. Swarm would co- be considered a D-list villain, possibly.
0: Um, and the coup de gras of D-list villains would also be the Hypno Hustler. The Hypno Hustler, the, vi- the, the disco villain who basically yeah. his powers yes. to mesmerize people with his groovy tunes.
3: Big Wheel, Gibbon, Grizzly. There's a lot, boy. Um, oh yeah. I
4: think I think I'll go with the the room full of a. Uh, Felicia's new goons. They all seem uh, yeah. pretty.
2: Felicia's goons, not nice. <laughs> got the head, guy, head. the
4: eight ball forehead. <laughs> eight ball, for head. <laughs> the eight ball that's awesome. I want to know his story, man. <laughs> I know.
2: He lost the pool game and somebody shoved it on his head. What, you, awesome.
4: Did someone like hit him with a radioactive eight ball or something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to know the story. It'd
2: be magic. If he Ever yeah. beat yeah. somebody? Does he yell, "You just scratched"? <laughs> <laughs> Prepare to get scratched. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a fight line. Jr. I just read Paul Jenkins' A Death in the Family, and I was fascinated by the idea that Norman considered taking his own life. Was that plot point dropped after the story? Or did it show up again later? Maybe during the Dark rain? Also, have you read any of William Shatner's Captain Kirk books? I'm talking about the ones that resurrected Kirk. Uh-huh.
1: Um, first question. Um, uh, about Norman wanting to kill him. Well, Norman, yeah, I know they kind of at the very end he kind of stared at a gun and then couldn't do it. But he really, he really wanted Peter to take him out. Um, but I, I, I like the idea that, cause really when you think about it, people like this are just, they're, they're miserable people, you know, they're just, you know, they're, they're miserable, unhappy people. And Norman is a miserable, unhappy person. And he finally realized it and he was looking for the easy way out and he was hoping Spider-Man would kill him, but Spider-Man wouldn't give him the satisfaction, uh, I think though that's a story you can only do once. Uh, you know, I mean, when you say it was a plot point that was dropped, well, I wouldn't say it was so much dropped as it was told, uh, and mm-hmm. therefore yeah. there's you know you don't you don't necessarily tell that again. Um, have I read any? I, I've well, first of all, uh, it's a misnomer to call them William Shatner's books because William Shatner didn't write them or didn't write them. <laughs> uh, it was uh, Judith and uh, her husband uh, Garfield, Reeves, Reeves,
2: Gar- Garfield, Steve, uh, yeah. Steve. Uh,
1: yeah, but you, yeah, but basically the husband and wife duo, they're the ones that wrote them. You know, Shatner may, you know, may may, you know, come up with a couple ideas at the bar or whatever, but they're the ones who wrote them. <laughs> um I thought they were the, the only one I didn't really read any of them except there was the second one where they actually brought Kirk back uh or the, the return. one the return because that was very it had Spock and McCoy in it a lot too and i like that uh but really actually from what i saw that i thought they were mostly self indulgent um you know i mean it was you know it i mean yeah even though Shatner didn't write him it was uh, it was uh i just thought they were very self indulgent books and i didn't care for them
2: the uh the return kinda of lost me when uh Captain Kirk it, kicks Worf's ass. I, I just, like he's a sixty seven year old man. He's not gonna beat up Worf. What anyway. yeah.
1: yeah. What? Well the only the only the only uh the only uh caveat to that which is it's not defendable really but just you know science fiction wise is the the borg nanites were in him oh okay yeah so the, the yeah that, that's how they revived probably. the borg nanites so and and it was established too that, the, that they were also killing him as well so yeah right. he probably he could probably run souped up for a while and then burn out but
2: right. oh we were just talking about stegron george stegron versus godzilla who wins The audience. (laughs) Well,
3: um, I tell you who loses. That's mankind. Uh, Stegron would probably find a way to control Godzilla somehow or redirect him. And uh, so Stegron wins. Uh, Just like Batman, the answer is always Stegron wins. In fact, Batman probably is the only person who can beat uh, Stegron. We know Spider-Man can barely beat Stegron's tail. Yeah,
2: Yeah. that's his most powerful weapon.
3: Achilles' heel of Stegron's tail.
2: Mike, of the many jobs and professions that Peter Parker has had, which one is your
0: favorite? Well, I'm a I'm a classic Spider-Man lover, and so I'm going to say I'm going to go with a photography. And the reason why is I think when he would be, when Peter was a photojournalist, it's a great storytelling engine. You know, because here you've got Peter; he's taking, you know, he's he ta- he's desperate for money, and so the thing he has to do is he's taking. Photographs of his crime-finding exploits, and yet he turns around, sells it to Jameson, who then smears him in the press. It's just a great, it's a great way of of, of telling telling. You know, it's last, and it's a it's, good reason for why it lasted so long.
2: It's the default version right. of Spider-Man.
0: It's it also, I think, and I know there's some pe- there was something about how the how the Daily Bugle got destroyed, and they're talking about oh how newspaper print journalism isn't relevant anymore, so therefore Peter can't really be a photographer. Well. I don't think that's necessarily the case, because I think with, with Peter being, a, being going into photojournalism, you, one, you can update it easily, and, se- and second, I think him taking pictures of himself, is, I think it's more relevant today, because with, with our social media-obsessed culture and 24-hour 24 cable, 24 cable system, and if you think about it, if you go back to Spider-Man's origin, origin story, he starts off as an entertainer, who performs in front of a camera, and yet when he's as like, when he goes into crime frame, what does he do? Even though it's more altruistic, he's still putting he's still performing in front of a camera. He's still kind of putting on an act and such. Even though it's yes, he's fighting bad guys and stuff, but it's still a performance in a sense. for you're,
2: you're deep tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's good. Yeah, it's very good. But yeah, yeah I mean,
0: go ahead, Mike. Oh, go ahead.
2: ahead. No, no, I, I was just
3: going to say. Uh, uh, you, the whole photographer thing, it made me think about when uh, DC and Marvel crossed over for the first time with Superman and Spider-Man in 76, and Jerry Conway had to write that. He goes, you mean i got to write a story where one superhero is a reporter, and the other superhero is a photographer?
0: <laughs> it writes itself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: That's funny. Yeah, uh, Brad, what did you think about Moreland and his first story arc, aka JMS's opening Amazing Spider-Man arc? I liked the fight between Spider-Man and Morlin. I thought that was a brutal fight. Uh, I don't care for the spider totem stuff at all. Oh. The spider, with the motive? I've said that several times. I can't. I don't like that story. Uh, Mister Noodle from Kentucky. Uh, wow, that's a lot of text. All right, you're gonna have a opinion. Which one oh. you're looking at? Yeah uh it's It's my opinion that Dan Slot's writing is distinctly sexist. And at best, his writing shows an attitude towards women that is really weird. Anna Marie seems fine about uh, having gone to bed with a mass murderer who lied to her about her, his identity the entire time. Cindy Moon seems unaffected by being irresistibly driven to join with a man she only met an hour before, which is Peter. And considering that she was locked away since her tween years, she has pro- it's probably a virgin at the time.
1: <laughs> oh, and yet,
2: not a single oh, repercussion... Well, this is Mr. Noodle. Uh, (laughs) MJ has been depicted as amazingly passive and dense. Felicia Hardy turned into a mass murdering crime boss almost overnight. Did Dan Slott write that almost comment uh, by Nora Winters about how she was dating Randy Robertson for his physical endowment? Am I being too sensitive about Slott's writing of women in Amazing Spider-Man is not all that different from the rest of Marvel. Am I seeing something real? Mr. Noodle, it just so happens we have a woman on the yes. panel.
4: Yes. <laughs> I really want to answer this. Okay, I was, I was hoping
2: you you, you this one. You, feel free. Go ahead.
4: Okay, so first, um, I think if you're going to define something as sexist, you need to look categorically at how the male characters are written and how the female characters are written. If you can't just look at the female characters and say they're written poorly – you know, we could you know call this problematic or sexist. Um, if you're, you have to look at all the characters. So, in this case, yes, he does, you know, there are a lot of problems with Anna Marie and uh, Silk and Felicia Hardy and MJ and all these problems, you know, as he listed, but there are also a lot of problems with how the men are written, with um, yeah. you know, with Peter. Dale's um, you know, they, they come off as very one-note characters, just very shallow, they're motivations are non-existent or nonsensical so um i would honestly attribute this to bad writing and not necessarily sexism i think honestly i i wouldn't for all of um our faults against dan slot i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't describe him or characterize him as sexist or misogynist because he seems to really enjoy the female characters that he's written he he really, I can see a lot of passion for Silk and how he writes her and how he puts her into the story. I can see that he likes Anna Marie. Um, and uh, Carly Cooper is actually, I think, an example of a uh, one of his female characters that came across very well. I, I liked her, but um,
2: you are the only one.
4: <laughs> oh, I I caught her at the tail end, right when she was yeah. she was kidnapped, and so she was turned into a goblin and i'm like oh that's oh, horrible okay. and so you know she just, mm-hmm. you know um so it, it's a little i feel like it's jumping the gun to just go for the sexist button Though i can see why someone would be worried i think it's just a, cr- a problem with the writing and you know character development overall it's just weak writing not sexist writing
2: good answer Mr. Big Al from Edgeware, Ashley, welcome to the show. Mm. My question for you is, what's your favorite Spider-Man movie?
4: Oh, this is hard. I think the very first one. just mm-hmm. the, the Not the very first one. The, the first Sam Raimi film. Because yeah, with, it's, with the Goblin. I got to a point where I couldn't go back to the original trilogy and enjoy it the way I used to because it just didn't feel like Spider-Man. But watching the first one again, there's it's so campy. It's... It's just, it, it's having fun with itself. It's not trying to appeal to you know mass audiences. It's not trying to appeal to comic book fans. It's just trying to, I don't know, have fun with what it has. It's like you have Willem Dafoe and the hokey green goblin suit. And it's just, it's, it, it's one of the few Spider-Man movies that I can actually enjoy you know, going back to after. You didn't
3: like Spider-Man 2 I- with Dr. Octopus?
4: It, it, it's such a good movie, but I can't watch it anymore. i I'm like, that's not, that's not Spider-Man. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. <laughs>
2: yeah. But the, uh, I, I shared this on the Crawl Space Facebook page uh, the other night. My daughter, who's four, uh, said, Daddy, I want to watch Spider-Man with Sandman, the movie with Sandman. I'm like, okay. So uh, the scene where uh, he just uh, got the ring from Aunt May, and he's, he's, he's uh, walking back home. Uh, the new goblin appears on the screen, and it, uh, Ava yells at the screen, that's a Power Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, girl.
4: <laughs> You're like,
2: oh, let me show you the first movie.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, remember
2: the first one? Now that's a Power Ranger. Oh yeah. man, I want
4: to see William Dafoe on like a tokusatsu show now, and they have like little <laughs> music going, and they have him doing the kicks and explosion in the background. Oh,
3: I want to see okay. Risa, Rita Repulsa summon him, so she, he has to answer to her and Lord Zed. Well, they or
0: need he, to splice, he, you know. Well, they need to splice some, uh, William Dafoe's Green Goblin footage with the with the Japanese Spider Man.
3: <laughs> oh, oh, the, what, it would
4: be so perfect. <laughs> oh, what
3: absolutely. the first Spider-Man movie really needed was uh, was a, was, a, was a, an appearance uh, by that was Green Goblin teaming up with that was what, what was that Pharaoh werewolf guy? Oh, from gosh. Power Rangers.
0: Oh, oh. one you of the mean goons? with the wings or something. Yeah.
3: What, oh, it, that's it like a, it looked like a werewolf from ancient Egypt.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. All right, let's see. We've got, uh, we all know Marvel has claimed that the marriage was allegedly limiting in the long term and how the Unmasking One More Day, their solutions to that apparent problem. However, do you think the latter stories are themselves limiting for Spider-Man, at least as how much as the marriage? since it renders all drama revolving around Spider-Man's identity redundant. After all, if his identity is revealed, couldn't he just pull another mind wipe? Additionally, what's the point of him keeping his identity hidden from people like Aunt May or Betty, whom he
0: knows are definitely trustworthy? I think that's a good point, actually, because, and I think part of the I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit, is we kind of, since they had that unmasking story, we kind of already know what the reactions from the supporting cast are going to be. Yeah. So... The fact that I think it really set back uh, Aunt May's character. I, mean, I think it was one of the best things that J- JMS did when, during his run was to actually have her learn the secret identity and how it she became more in the know and less kind of the senile yeah. bat. But Aunt May was one of the best things of the JMS oh, yeah. run, and yeah. and also I think it really did a number on Black Cat's characterization too oh. because oh, man. it set it that set her be. back. It set her back like back to the whole oh the. Kind of the Finn when you can kind of see what she was kind of progressing beyond that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and also, it kind of felt a little bit redundant because what happened a couple of year, years later after that, oh, you had a bunch of other superheroes who relearned Spider Man's identity anyway. So, yeah. yeah.
2: JR, based on what we know of Mary Jane during the high school years, uh, like parallel lives and untold tales, how do you think her and Peter's relationship would have panned out had they met in high school or even gone to the same high
1: school? Um, I was going to step back a minute on his on Big Al's previous question. Is uh, Big Al don't assume that Marvel even cares whether or not its opinions are consistent. They didn't yeah. like the, they didn't like the marriage because they 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 took an immature, uh, narrow minded perspective about it. We didn't like it. We didn't grow up. It wasn't the Spider Man of our youth. Spider Man was like
3: cool anymore.
1: Yeah, you
0: know,
1: it was too think. old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, don't yeah, I mean so yeah, they they talk about they're disingenuous. So uh, don't e- they they don't care that they're not consistent and uh you know, so I I wouldn't even, you know, I wouldn't even try to connect the dots because they sure as hell don't want don't care about it. Um <laughs> Your question is how would it have panned out? I don't know that Mary Jane would have been able to stand him in high school. Uh, <laughs> a guy like a kid like Peter Parker, and, I, and I'm just speaking off the top of my head. I'm sure that you can you can probably disagree with me, but uh, a kid like Peter Parker is not appreciated by girls in high school. Girls in high school do not like boys like Peter Parker. Uh, it's only it's only when they get older uh, and uh, that they start to like guys like Peter Parker. And I think that's kind of typical. It's it's so.
3: very telling, Jr. In the fact that Betty was the only one back then who liked him.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Liz a little bit. Well, not initially. Liz liked to mess with his head, though. Betty, you know, Liz. Yeah. Liz was pretty immature. You know, Betty she, liked him.
3: I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jr.
1: No, yeah. I was about to. I know. I was about to say, Liz liked to mess with his head. Liz was immature. She wasn't. I don't know that she really liked him.
3: But Betty liked him. But Betty wasn't wasn't with him in a in a high school environment. She was with him in a professional environment. Mm-hmm. So so, you know, she's getting she's seeing him differently than someone who goes to school with him every day. Exactly. So I think, exactly. I, so I think what you're saying is is right on target there.
2: Brad and George, what's
3: your favorite Spider Girl stories? Uh where uh Norman uh, where Normie becomes the Green Goblin for the first time. And not only did Spider Girl kick his ass, Mary Jane kicked his ass.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. Uh I like the ending of the book. Um I also liked uh, when he met she met her father um i'm trying to think i liked it when she met aunt may mm yeah she was named at that one yes very, that's that was really uh, good yeah. yeah. Uh, To everyone, apart from undoing one more day and possibly restoring the marriage, if you had creative control of the Spider-Man franchise, what would you do to fix the title? For me, the biggest problem is that between Silk, Otto, and other characters, Peter Parker just doesn't seem to be the best choice to even be Spider-Man. Well, uh, the best choice then is to replace the editor and the writer.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And put the focus Uh, back on (laughs) on
2: Spider-Man. Nice. Uh, I mean, seriously, (laughs) it solves itself. (laughs) yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh. tear the building down, build a new one. Yeah,
1: all all the owl,
2: to everyone, the owl, the vulture, and the penguin join forces. What the hell would they do? Get Eat sushi. Get their ass. They'd fly the. They'd fly the coop. Get their ass. them uh, Spider-Man, Batman. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, to anyone who wants to, why did a series like Untold Tales of Spider-Man prove unsuccessful? The book had a reasonable price. It was 99 cents, if I remember correctly. And it had good writing and had good art. And it had many fans hail it as the best Spider-Man book of the time and featured the young, hip, and single Spider-Man Marvel always desired. And yet, despite all that, it only lasted 25 issues. It, it's a flashback story series. Y- yes,
3: exactly. It, it's, yeah. it's not in the now.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah. stuff that's
3: not in the now is best done in a limited series format, right. or, or in a what if.
0: Right. I mean, because that's the thing with Marvel in general is because it's always kind of a it's always like a linear format. It's always kind of a continuation story. You can't really get away with what DC does, in which they have like untold tales or un, or else, or that kind of stuff. Where it's, at the end of the day, yeah.
2: you know, Spider Man's going to live. Yeah. You know, whatever whatever cliffhanger he got up, oh, well, he's going to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And we can't uh, say that
2: today because we've seen him die. (laughs) We've (laughs) seen him die multiple times times in the issues.
1: (laughs) Plus there was a a presumption that the reading public really wanted young, hip, single Mm Spider-Man. Marvel is the only one who believes the reading public wants it. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Uh, Plus it was 99 cents. I think that – you would think that would attract people. JR, it's also a case of – I think Marvel knows – that young and hip is
3: not important, but they have demographics telling them that they have to shred their dinosaur readers and try to find these new young hipster readers who don't who aren't going to, you know, like people in their 20s who don't read comics, you know, like Ashley. Um.
1: <laughs> well, I've, I've always said, I mean, they can't, I mean, I mean, first of all, uh, the Marvel should not try to appeal to me. I mean, I'm at the end of the bell curve. I'm too, I mean, I really am too old. I mean, they shouldn't be trying to appeal to my demographic. But the idea that you know that some you know that there's all these young readers who are out there waiting you know all we got to do is make him 17 again uh, that's that that ship has sailed that's not going to happen our our culture uh, is is way too different for that sort of thing to happen anymore
3: it is too narrow of a view for yeah. Marvel to say well we need our books to be this we need our books to be that good writing is good writing. Exactly. Uh, someone like me who's, you know, uh, or I guess I was in my, in my 30s when I became a Harry Potter fan. And, I you know, I would read it with my cousins and we would discuss it, you know, with my cousins who were much younger. Good, you know, good writing, good characterization, good story. It doesn't matter what age the character is.
2: Exactly. Uh, Adam asks from San Diego, California, to everyone: As another year draws to a close, it's time to reflect on those that came before. Who is your absolute favorite Spider-Man writer, and who is your absolute least favorite? Anybody who wants. I know someone. who's going to win this one.
0: <laughs> who Stern? Oh Stern. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, Stern's my favorite, and oh, get ready, Jr. You're probably not going to like this one for my least favorite, Marv Wolfman. I don't understand he, he, he didn't really write it all that long, though. Well, the, yeah, he wasn't I know. There that long. Yeah, I know. But I read this whole run, and I think he was trying a little bit too hard to kind of make Spider-Man hip for the disco era, especially that, whole, <laughs> especially that whole like the thing with the with that with that trying to rekindle the romance with a married Betty Brandt, which I think utterly destroyed her character after that. Um and I think, I think, uh, now the later stories, I think he kind of started, once he, the Black Cat got inter- introduced and this 200th issue was coming around, I think he was kind of improving a little bit. But reading some of those, those things, you can kind of tell they're really trying, is really a product of the time. He's trying really hard to try to be hip with it. And it just, you know, it just didn't do it for me, I don't think. I mean, I think getting Titans one later on was better, but,
4: you know.
3: Hey, uh, hey, Ashley. Hmm? Um, we're talking about Roger.
2: Do you know who Roger Stern is?
4: No.
0: Oh, okay. okay.
2: Roger, you got you got a lot of good reading That's one of the best Spider-Man writers. Of Roger all time. Stern <laughs>
3: wrote Spider-Man for what five or six five years.
2: In the, in the he cre- he cr- created the
0: Hobgoblin. The well, what 1983 he came on The yeah. 1986. I think it might have been yeah, I think something like that. Cause you got, but, because you got because he got some classic stories in there where he goes up against a Juggernaut. Um, but Spider Man, nothing's off the Juggernaut is a good one I'll, to pick up. Yeah,
3: a lot of people actually will will name him as their favorite writer because this yeah. was like a this was like a golden time in Spider Man mm-hmm. history. Uh, while Stern and then later Defalco was on the book. Yeah, um, there is he, he comes to our message board and he'll post every now and then or he'll comment sometimes on the front page. Uh, yeah. but he uh, he just had or Marvel just put out an omnibus of all his work on Spider-Man in the 80s Ooh. and and it is fantastic. It's a bit pricey. Mhm.
4: You
3: know, it's like a thousand pages though. But yeah, I mean it is a it, it is you'll you'll get absorbed into that and you'll come and you'll say this is the greatest thing I ever read.
4: That was Roger Stern, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Roger Stern um if you if you're interested you can talk to your uh, local comic book uh, guru uh sure. whatever store or no, you said you subscribe, right? Mhm. Uh, you may be able to find. I think they probably still got them on Amazon or something. But, yeah, uh,
2: they do, and mm-hmm. they also have them on. Uh, um, let's see. Where, what, what are they about? Eighty on. bucks, something like that. Oh, in stock trades, you
3: can yeah. get it from
4: there.
2: But but I, it's pricey. But I
3: guarantee you, it'll be it'll be some of the best Spider-Man you've ever read. Mm, Eighty-five
4: dollars.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Maybe if you get an Amazon gift card for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. You
0: know.
2: Or get, product, uh, you get the. Uh, well, no, you can't get essentials anymore. Yeah. What? She she could do the digital and just read it online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, a lot of yeah. my I'll find a way. my my least favorite Spider Man writer happened this year. Matt Kent, who wrote <laughs> Marvel Knights Spider Man. Oh yes, <laughs> one of the absolute worst Spider Man stories of all time. I could not follow it. I don't know. I was I was smoking on George's Christmas gift. <laughs> I uh... <laughs> I could I could not understand what was going on in that book. Absolutely one of the worst Spider Man stories of all time. Man,
3: who's your least favorite or your least favorite uh, Amazing Spider-Man writer, Brad? ASM writer. Is it, it Slot?
2: He frustrates me the most, I think, um, mainly from his personal aspects on our site, and also from his his lack of uh, focus on who I buy the book mm, about. Okay. What, what about.
0: You Bob know, Gale when he was doing this.
2: Oh, Bob Gale was with atrocious. The, with, yeah, Zep uh, Wells was
0: pretty. What, what, the vomiting vulture? Did he, no, was that, that was um, that was actually, um, believe it or not, that was Mark Webb. No, no, no not Mark Webb. That was, um, no, that <laughs> the wasn't director. Mark Correct. <laughs> that, I'm wasn't sorry.
3: It, wasn't it Zeb Mark Wells Wade? who gave us uh, no, Mark Guggenheim? Mark, Mark
0: Wade, thank you. Yeah, that Mark was it. Mark Wade, okay. Didn't, yeah. didn't
3: Zeb Wells give us Shed? Or who was that?
0: Yeah, yeah. that was Zeb Wells. S-
2: S- 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 oh, God, yeah. I guess Zeb Wells and Bob Gale are my least favorite. Van Lanty wasn't all that great. I actually liked
0: him. I thought he was I I th- did I, I thought he was a pretty good... I yeah. thought he was okay. I thought he, I, you know, pretty big, I mean, he created great, an excellent spot story. Actually,
2: We have another new poster, Spider-Man. Uh, if you could pick any moment of a major story arc in Spider-Man history to change, excluding one more day in the clone cycle, what moment would you choose? And what... Well, Ashley's out. Yeah. And what do you think the repercussions of changing that one moment would be?
0: The Origin of Venom.
2: Oh, very good. Very yeah, that good. And actually, that.
0: I would not even have him. I would not actually have Venom be um, Eddie Brock. I would have actually had made him um, for those. You know, um, Lance Bannon. For those of you who don't know who he is, there he was go. a rival photographer um, mm-hmm. of Peter's at the time, back in the 80s and stuff like that during the Roger. Let's, that's
2: run. following the Spider-Man 3 origin. Or yeah, even, a little bit.
3: Even better, go back to the Secret Wars. And instead of getting uh, the symbiote out of a coffee machine, <laughs> he just makes one from scratch and uh, uses the influence from Spider-Woman because obviously that was in his mind. That's why it looks that way. Uh, and just do that. And then you never have Venom or Carnage or anything else.
0: Well, I actually kind of like the, the uh, take on Venom, though, in the, um, in the Ultimate Spider-Man comic books where he was kind of a sci- – almost kind of a sort of a sentient you know nanotech rather mm-hmm. than an alien because I think if you bring too much of the alien outer space element into Spider-Man it doesn't really fit so I can but I mean but then again it's like it's a little bit of a high end 2020 type thing but.
2: La- Lava 121 uh, to the whole gang what is your favorite key issue you own of any character in your collection? Oh, I just Ooh. sold a bunch of mine.
4: <laughs> I have a good one
0: Oh what
2: is it? I think it?
4: it's um, from the spectacular Spider-Man um, spinoff I can't remember exactly, but it's um, Spider-Man, Johnny Storm, Felicia, Angel, Doctor Strange, and I can't remember who else, but they're all playing a game of poker.
2: Oh, I remember that issue. And Kingpin
4: comes in and challenges (laughs) them.
2: I remember that issue, yeah. Was that a Jenkins? Paul Jenkins wrote that? I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jenkins was great. I I yeah, It's I just too. so
4: out there, and it's just so fun, and it's just uh, this great little.
2: They had Spider Man poker chips, if I remember, on the cover, too.
4: They did, yeah. yes, yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, George, is it possible? I think it is. For you to list your favorite top five Spider Man stories of all time?
3: Um, <clears throat> this shifts based on what I've read recently and what I haven't. And, you know, I'm always going back and looking at how. Certain stories affected Spider-Man. You know, it's like uh, recently. Remember, somebody asked us what our top five villains were, and one of mine was the Sin Eater just because of what he put Peter through personally. You know, yeah. of what he made of what he made the character go through. Um, right now, I thought I sat down and I thought about this, Brad, when you told me uh, about it. Yeah. Um, Right now, my favorite, my top five would be, uh, number one would be the Hobgoblin stuff. And I, I get that again because I reread all the Stern stuff, you know, in the Omnibus. The Hobgoblin saga, and JR, I know, has is, is got definite hot sports opinions on this. But uh, the original stuff, man, um, was just fantastic. This guy showed up and was like a power player almost just from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, very few villains can do that in a way that is... That it doesn't feel forced by editorial. I mean, this dude showed up and just owned the space. You know? I mean, for so much of the 80s, it was hobgoblin. It was all hobgoblin. What is this hobgoblin business? And to me, that still has a lasting effect. You know? Um, Number two would be Amazing Spider Man number 491, uh, which was written by. uh, Hey, I'm distracted by all these. Okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I, I thought somebody sent me a message in the, in the Skype chat. I'm sorry. Oh,
2: sorry. That's what right. No, You're, you're so fine. I'm um, behind your um, back.
3: But uh, it's ASM, God Almighty. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm sending Ashley links to the register. Can you wait until I'm done with sales, this? Come on. Sorry. Okay. I, I, I'm sorry. Okay.
4: Uh, <laughs> the next. If we're
2: past notes in class, I'm going <laughs> to kick you That's in the
4: tic-tacs.
3: Attention. I'm going to kick you in the tic-tacs because I can't You have to go read the silk mini series. <laughs> no, no!
2: God, stop! Oh, it's an ongoing... Ah, Alright. That's, uh, that's permanent
3: tension. This, this is funny in that I'm trying to get us back into the message board questions. Normally, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to divert us.
2: Come oh, off in I segways,
3: run. and Brad's sitting there going, I'd like to, I'd like to strangle you right now. <laughs> but now, I'm trying to actually get through this, and
2: Brad... you know, Now I know how <laughs> Brad feels. Help out our newest panelists to read some of the best Spider-Man stories of all time. Alright. So, number two... After the Hobgoblin saga
3: would be Amazing Spider-Man number 491, which was written by JMS, in which MJ returns. That's the Doctor Doom in the uh, airport episode or issue. And now, the Doctor Doom stuff is not it's, – it's so-so. But the strength of the writing between Peter and Mary Jane and what they mean to one another is amazing. And, it, and at the time, I remember there was a time I was very highly critical of JMS. JR remembers this very well. Um, I didn't. I did not like the totem stuff. You know, I, I there was. I didn't like Mary Jane not being there. Um, but when he brought her back, which had been his plan all along, we later found out. But when he brought her back and got them back together, that issue was so powerful, mm-hmm. and the things they said to one another were so were so human and powerful, and it was just. I mean, it was so compelling, and you just. I mean, I was caught up in it. I remember there's very few comic books I'll read and then go back and read another time, like right after I'm done. This was one of those. And it also, to me, this issue stands out as to everything that Marvel ever said about Mary Jane or the marriage you know, or Mary Jane negatively and the marriage and everything else is the biggest complete pile of bullshit that there's ever been. <laughs> Because once you read JMS and you read Peter and Mary Jane and you understand what those, who those characters are, what those characters go through, what those characters mean to one another, there's no way they're ever going to, you know, split up and turn their backs on one another. In fact, those two, those two right there, don't even get divorced. So that, to me, is is within recent history. The well, I say recent history. What was that? <laughs> Twelve years ago now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, it, was it was just like a one o two. It was just such like a powerful that. story. You know. Um, number three would be Goblins at the Gate, which was written uh, by Stern. Who drew that, J.R.?
1: Oh, no. Jr.? What, was that Ramita Jr.? I don't know.
3: Uh was Goblins at the Gate, where he actually had Hobgoblin, he had Kingsley, and you know me, I love Roddy, going up against Norman, and Spider-Man being caught in the middle. I mean, that was a great story. Uh, Craven's Last Hunt, again, another story no, that underscores um, kind of the heart of Spider-Man and... and or, or, at least, in my opinion, and, and it shows how it's not one of those stories where he doesn't give up. You know, like uh, Amazing Spider Man, what was it, Brad, where he's trapped under 33 or 38? 33.
2: Yep, yeah, thir- 33. 33, thank
3: you. And you know, and, and he doesn't give up. He, he never gives up. He, he this character. That's one of the things I love so much about the character is those moments when he's. It would be so easy to give up, but he can't because he, he's got to keep going. You know, he owes it to Uncle Ben. He owes it to his family. He's he's got to be the man that yeah, that his Uncle Ben always wanted him to be. He's got to keep going. And this one, in Craven's Last Hunt, he's in the same situation, but then it's not. It's not the stuff that used to keep. It, it was it was a character de- developing story because. It wasn't the same stuff that motivated him to get out of it this time. This time it was because he had a wife now. You know, he had to get out because he had just gotten married. He had a whole life ahead of him with his wife that he had to get back to. And it's still, for me, I love that part of the story. Um, and number five, Secret Wars number three. When? What happens, Brad?
2: Uh, he kicks all the X Men's ass. Yeah. Kicks the X Men's ass.
3: <laughs> one of one of the several yeah. times Spider Man shows up and just lays smack down on X Men. Uh, top mentions uh, Juggernaut, Fire Lord, Kid Who Collected Spider Man. Yeah. Of course, uh, the death of the Stacy's. Both of them. The, they were both well done. Um, so there you go. That's my that's my top five.
2: Hornacek. Uh Let's see. Ashley, welcome aboard and congratulations. Oh, thank you. To everyone, in a recent episode when reviewing the Amazing Spider-Man issues, George said, for once, (laughs) I can't remember the exact quote for some paraphrasing." in a sec, Ashley uh, listens to all of our podcasts and picks out our funniest moments and transcribes them on a thread on our message board. So you have that to look forward to. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, George said that Slot was writing the character of Peter Parker so immaturely that it read like it was written 20 years ago. Hopefully I get the gist of it right. Slot has said many times... That he has been writing stories in his notebooks for years, so it's possible some of what we're reading now was thought up decades ago. So, my question is Would Slot's recent amazing issues fit better into a past decade of Spider Man stories? They wouldn't be any better per se, but would they be a bit better fit? For example, the craziness of the 70s or the hollow disc excesses of the 90s. Very nice hollow disc. Wow. I remember those. Uh, bad, good stories are good stories, no matter what decade it is, right? Right. Yeah. Good, good writing is good writing, and it will always be. I good mean, writing. yeah. I don't. Good writing we, is timeless. Exactly. Uh, big Al, Edge. I think that we answered it, <laughs> Big well, I Al.
1: Mean, I, it's
3: to try to explain a little more. I don't know that I would have. It, it makes sense though. At I, I first, I thought, well, did I did I ever say that it was written like it was twenty years ago? But twenty years ago was the '90s, and I'm not a big fan of, of what happened in the of most of Well, happened, I think
0: 90s. I. Well, I think that was the when when we're looking at, of course, the learning to crawl miniseries that Slot did were taking place yeah. during the Stanley C. Steve Ditko era. Oh, when I said where
3: dialogue I, was out of place?
0: Well, yeah, I think and also I kind of, I think we were commenting about how that kind of almost felt like that was I mean, for me anyway, that was almost felt like that was how Peter Parker actually came across better in that story than he does in the current run of Amazing. And I was kind of wondering, is it's maybe it's it almost got of got the feeling that That slot kind of likes Peter Parker as he was in the Stan Lee Steve Ditko era. Essentially, that's what the 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 sense that I got. That that
3: one thing that makes me think about this is the last part of this. You know, when he's thinking about well, the craziness of the seventies. A lot of the craziness of the seventies is what made Marvel big. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, he talks about the excesses of the nineties, which is for damn sure. But. But, you know, would, would they would slot stories have fit into uh, would fit fit better in, in previous decades? I we don't. Here's the thing: we don't really have much of a frame of reference, or I guess maybe we do. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like we don't have an. Even though slots written the book for several years, slot stuff is always wrapped up in some goddamn event.
0: Or well, I would say nostalgia actually too, because that's. Because a lot of that, what he's right now is put is put, pulled off from those I, earlier. I don't know that it's decades.
3: nostalgia, Mike. Because I mean, this is a guy that killed off or tried to kill off the uh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, the Spider Friends.
0: No, but, well, sorry, but that, but that, <laughs> that kind of I think that kind of plays into it because he knows that there are certain people who are reading the books who are kind of familiar with those. Um, yeah, but nostalgia is saying
3: I want to bring this thing back so I can murder
0: it. I know, yeah, that's a good, true. But, I mean, he's playing off of that idea, <laughs> I, I think is what I'm trying kind to of get uh, at. But. That's like if you buy a whole bunch of G.I. Joes and want to blow them up when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. look G.I. Joes <laughs> I just bought. I think I'll burn them and turn them into wax. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so you're
0: saying he's like that kid from the first Toy Story movie. Take this, guess, Snake Eyes, FU. <laughs>
3: <laughs> say my name, Snake Eyes, say my name.
4: Five. TNR Sorry. 105.
2: His location is half a sleeve of Ritz. Uh, Hey, gang, and welcome, Ashley. Uh, Only have one question this month, really, and I may aiming it towards George. Marvel has confirmed Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be strange. Well, we've kind of already talked about Mm -hmm. that.
3: Yeah, but he asks, uh, keep reading.
2: uh, Awesome, horrible, indifferent. Personally, I could see him as the voice of Dormammu, or perhaps even Baron Mordo. But I just don't see him as Stephen Strange himself, not to mention on the baggage she brings. Haters and fangirls and boys alike, my amulet simply tickles at this
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: oh. He Told me to read it. I didn't know the ending went there. went there. He he
3: his question it's not just I mean we, we talked about this in the news in the Ditco News segment. But this gives us a, a, a brief window here to talk about Benedict's or Benedict Cumberbatch or Cumberbatch's I can't even talk tonight. Strengths as an actor. One thing and this is why Because I've, am I the only one here that's watched Sherlock? Oh, I've watched Sherlock too. I've seen two seasons. I'm still on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. Then I have no
4: excuse.
3: Yeah, you have no excuse for not watching it. It's fantastic. (laughs) It is really, it really is. Mm -hmm. And if I tell you what, if I hadn't seen his the way his performance in Sherlock, I don't know that I would have been okay with with casting him as Doctor Strange. Having seen him in Sherlock and having seen how he. How he comes about characters who think on different levels and who approach things, you know, from dramatic, dynamic um, actions and standpoints. Um, I think I, I think it makes him a good choice.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I, I think we will probably see some of his Sherlock in his Doctor Strange. Uh, at least I'm hoping some on some level. Does Benedict Cumberbatch really? Does he have haters? I know he has fangirls. Probably. They, they call themselves something
2: that I don't like to repeat. You know, haters mm-hmm. going to hate, hate, hate. Players going to play, play, play. I don't... I, I've never... <laughs> Come on, no one got that. Well, no, that. I mean, you know, I mean, it's
3: true, but... No, I was quoting Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, I you can stand oh, by yourself dear. at that point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, you own that one yourself, Brent.
4: Oh, He oh, does man. bring up an interesting point. It's like with all the, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch fans, we're going to see a very... I, I think we're going to see a new demographic brought to Doctor Strange the same way. Hopefully yeah. not to the same extent like with Loki, but he's suddenly going to become the new. I can see him becoming the new Dreamboat of Marvel, yeah. and that's going to be that's well, that, going to take. Me that'll for a be long. weird. At, well, the be of,
3: at the risk well, of sparking another uh, another wave of hate directed at me, like it did last time. Um, I can see where uh, a lot of gals who wouldn't care about Marvel normally are suddenly going to latch onto it, in the same way a lot of chicks, lacks, uh, it's chicks, I'm sorry, Ashley, um, <laughs> a lot of gals latch. To, I, well, no, I mean I, I'm a child of the '70s, dude. I grew up watching weekly, you know, Spider or uh, the Fonz calling them chicks.
4: Chicks is offensive. When is chicks offensive?
3: Well, some people. <laughs> what I-, you know, <laughs> I get bad looks when I hold the door open outside of Texas. All right, when I hold the door open for someone else. Okay, but anyway, but you know, but. <laughs> the same way that a lot, you know, that some, that a lot, a big segment of fandom latched onto Norman Reedus and Walking Dead, and latched on to Alcide and uh, True Blood, you know. So yeah. I, I don't know that it's bad. Hopefully they'll, they'll enjoy the rest of the extended. I world. guarantee
4: you that was, ha- that um was factored into this, uh, this choice, you know, because it's yeah. bringing in more people. That yeah, they yeah. otherwise wouldn't strange, have. So that's never
3: a bad thing. But I don't know. Oh. No, I. Johnny Depp has haters, and at one point I know Johnny Depp was considered...
4: I remember that. I remember that, and I'm glad that that is not a thing anymore. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, now here's
3: the thing, though. I, I, am, I am a colossal Johnny Depp fan, because I, I can remember Johnny Depp from things like, uh, like, uh, like Donnie Brasco. I mean, he's just phenomenal in that movie. You know, and I enjoy him as Jack Sparrow, so I've never understood where all the Johnny Depp hate comes from. And I'm not calling you a hater, actually. I'm just saying I, I know
2: for a fact there are Johnny Depp haters, but I don't mm-hmm. get
4: that. Mm-hmm.
2: CF98, uh, location, The Satellite of Love. Wow. First-time poster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hello, long-time listener. First-time poster, so I keep this short. This question for all the hosts. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's one host. <laughs> uh, given the rumor that Sp- Sony may be developing an Aunt May movie, I ask you all to put yourself in the minds of the Sony executives and pitch an even worse idea for a Spider-Man spin-off film. My example in Amazing Spider-Man 3, where you learn that Peter's father and mother survived the plane crash and started a new family in secret. Mark Wade's beat you to this idea, sir. Uh, after Peter's parents are murdered off for real this time, no way they'll come back, pinky swear, Peter finds himself blamed for their murder by the brother he never knew he had, which was, J- Jr. you ready? Joey Z?
1: Okay.
2: <sighs> JR, pitch a worse movie than that.
1: <laughs> uh, not at uh, not at 2.22 a.m. Eastern Time. <laughs> I actually got one.
0: Hit it. You, oh, this question's aimed at you.
1: Being the nerd that I am, I actually gave a lot of thought to this.
0: Okay. <laughs> Get ready. Okay. Oh, man. Well, my, okay, I got to pitch, because oh, no, this no, is going to no. be like a pitch, folks. Okay. The film will star Macy Williams, who plays Arya from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And she, of course, plays a typical, you know, high school teenage girl. And her parents are played by Tommy McGuire and Gerson Dunst. Oh, no. Oh, no. And Tommy she's <laughs> got a little goatee going on and everything like this. And,
4: and oh, as God. Macy's,
0: you know, experiencing, you know, kind of doing her girl stuff and everything like this, she's, you know, you know, kind of showing prowess on the basketball court that she's never experienced uh-oh, before. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, so of course, wait, would, wait a minute, like, why is
3: Spider-Girl a bad idea for a movie? Oh, get what? I haven't finished yet.
0: Oh, you're gonna go off the rails. At some okay. Time. So as so then so then her parents are thinking we made it, maybe we should sit down and talk to her. So they're about to get sit down to talk to uh, Macy Williams and say, okay, you know, and tell their their sweet, sweet sweetie there's something we need to know. All of a sudden, there's a knock at the door, and so Toby McGuire, the dad, he goes over to the door and says, well, i who could be this at this hour? So he opens the door, and Daniel Rex is there. Oh. <laughs> And he says and of course he's looking kind of all sinister, all of a sudden he kind of st- kind of like punches Toby Wire through the chest and kills him. And then these <laughs> metallic plates go over over Daniel Radcliffe and a giant ten foot long tail with a spike comes out at the end of out of his back. And Kirsten Juggs pulls out a gun, tries to shoot him, but of course she can't stop this scorpion thing. So <laughs> Macy, run- you bought the hookah, didn't you? Okay. You bought the hookah. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Macy goes uh, What's your oh favorite my brand, Mike. <laughs> Macy- what are you I smoking a- there, son? What is Macy it? goes oh. running. Macy goes. Macy Williams' character goes running off, and oh then as the scorpion chases her, played by Daniel Cliff, and then all of a sudden, a mysterious figure jumps out, and using the palm of his hand, picks up a nearby car and like swings the car at the uh, scorpion, knocks him clear off, and this character is played by. Campbell Scott, you know, from the guy who played Peter Parker's dad in the uh, Spider-Man films,
1: mm-hmm. except oh,
0: no. he turns to, he, except his name is Ezekiel Sims,
1: <sighs>
0: and he goes to, and he says, come with, and he goes to Macy Williams' character, if you want to know, if you want to survive this, Jessica, you will come with me, and of course it turns out that Macy Williams is the clone of Spider-Man, and of course we cue, of course, the part of the thing we cue her in the red suit, and the white Spider, and of course that's my pitch for Spider-Woman. I'm out. I can beat that.
3: <laughs> I can beat that. I can beat that in two words. Oh, maximum carnage, which still has better go. writing than Amazing Spider-Man Two. <laughs> um, hey,
2: CF98 hey. C- also says, "Welcome to the show, Ashley." <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Spider Fan Twenty Two Two posts. Anyone, what's your favorite big Marvel event with Spider-Man in it? Secret Wars. Anybody else?
4: Ultimatum.
0: Hmm. Oh gosh! Anything?
2: I think that's,
4: that's the only—that's the only big Marvel that I've really gone Oh, Gosh.
0: Um, oh, that's like, kind of a tough one. Trying to think about it.
2: George Secret Wars for you too? Uh, sure. Jr. You don't like big crossovers or events? No, I don't. Civil War you don't like? And, nope. and Civil uh, War's ass. Stuff.
0: I kind of like. I, I, I like. Similar. I kind of like acts of vengeance. Those, those issues it, where he becomes gets the cosmic powers. Fun. Those were kind of fun. fun.
2: Lockdown from Illinois, our buddy Ryan Reed. Uh, Brad, you have interviewed some great creators on Spider-Man. Who's your dream interview outside of Lee and Ditko? I've already had Stan Lee. I want. I want Ditko. But anyway, and who do you never want to interview? I'm good with not talking to Slot again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Mr. Slot, but yeah, damn. Um, who do I want? Um, I uh, Todd McFarlane. I want to oh, yeah. interview Todd McFarlane. And he's on, uh, he's on uh, Facebook and Twitter, and I, I think it would be a fairly easy to contact him. And he's, He seems he likes to talk about Spider-Man. Actually, I've been saving a picture on my desktop. He recently drew Spider-Man again on his uh, Facebook page, so I was going to post that. But Todd McFarlane is one of my favorite Spider-Man artists of all time, so that would be a big get. Let's, uh, you know what? Here, I will try in 2015 to get Todd McFarlane on this show. That will be fun. George, I'm loving your Friday night fights with Brad more than ever. Is there a chance that you, you will review any post-Clone Saga fights? Those There were some nice ones in there. Post-Clone Saga. You know, when uh, Mac- Mackie came back, he wrote some good stuff with uh, Romita's... Stop, Jr. stop. No, Brad. He did. The, the, after the Clone Saga wrapped, it wasn't that bad.
3: Well, the, the one strong Mackie story I can think of after that was... The issue where they – remember of uh, Peter Parker where right, it's right after – it's the month after Mary Jane's dead, mm-hmm. uh, which – so I think it was PPSM number 14 when the Hulk shows up and they're throwing a fit.
2: Well, that's a good And one. Spider-Man
3: faces him down, but then they stop fighting because the Hulk realizes Spider-Man's lost his wife just like Hulk did. Yeah, yeah. And then Hulk is sad and you know helps Spider-Man fix the shit he just busted up. Uh, that was really the only good Mackie thing. Um, here's the thing. <sighs> Back in in those back in that time period, there aren't as many standout moments as, as Spider Man kicking people's butts on the classic level. And when I say classic level, I mean a lot of a lot of Spider Man's best fights are against people like Doctor Octopus, for example. My God, Brad, you and I had an epic Doctor Octopus
2: couple of fight clubs. With the uh, from spec in the eighties? Yeah, yeah oh and, and that's a you good point I mean, like, in the hospital and in the construction and yeah so in the nineties in the nineties
3: it was a lot there was just a lot of bad stuff I look back at the nineties and with a very it's very bad you know I, I mentioned the fact that I just sold off a lot of my comics and I think I I said this to you Brad at the time um, mm. is that. I look back – some of these boxes I hadn't been through in literally over a decade, like my image box. I cannot believe how much image I bought. And when I say image, I mean crap back in the 90s. (laughs) Yeah. It was almost like I was buying anything that they put out. I have Brigade in there. Who the F read Brigade? Apparently, I did. (laughs) I bought a copy. Superior or – Supreme. Supreme, (laughs) yeah. Pardon me. I mean – Really, like a pizza.
2: really bad stuff. And here's the thing: good luck trying to sell that crap. Oh yeah. Okay. Because I s- I sold like a hundred image books for like fifty bucks or whatever. All the image that you bought in the '90s is like herpes. You basically bought
1: herpes.
2: <laughs> You'll never oh, be my. able
3: to get rid of it. Oh my! God. I sold some issues of Spawn, and I think I sold one issue I had of Savage Dragon. Past that, my buyer yeah. who. It's a it's a local it's a local company. It's uh that but they also run mycomicshop.com.
2: Yeah. And,
3: and even they were like, "No, you're just you're not ever going to move this. If you're, you're done. You yeah. have a fireplace if it gets cold." You know.
2: Mike, if you had to choose one of the Spider-girls getting their own series again, who would you choose, Mayday or Anya? Anya.
0: And uh, who would be your dream team on them? Well, it'd be strange to say given my uh, ultimate Spider-Woman woman pitched i just did um but um i would actually go with uh a new um i think maybe actually be um a good choice and ideally would have to have uh tom defalco and ron ferns on it because to me that's kind of their character that's kind of their character i think and i think they're the only they're the guys who should be handling it um yeah. more. i mean you know but you know that's that's kind of my that's kind of a little bit, you know, almost kind of a wishful thinking a little bit, I think on my part.
2: JR, I love your work with the Motion Comics with the Thwip Studios. When approaching voice acting, do you review any material or do you naturally do the voices?
1: Well, first of you, all, you
2: do you do a great Norman, by the way, for those.
1: I I do. I mean, I, <laughs> I I love it. I, I
3: yeah, I I I think though on the podcast though your your Jonah's always been stronger.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably it's closer to my personality. I think that the kids prefer the kids consider me more Jonah Jameson as well. Um, well, first of all, lockdown. Thank you for considering what I do acting at all. I mean, I, that's an insult to real actors, probably. Um, but uh, no, I I don't read anything other than no, no. I I just do it. I just show up and do it.
2: Uh, I'll give a personal pitch. If you go to the front page of the Crawl Space, uh, or, or probably when this is released, it'll be pushed down. But uh, my wife and my daughter and myself did, a, did some voice acting for the When the Commuter... What's the name of that? When, the commuter, uh, when Come with the Commuter. When yes,
4: Come no, at the, the commuter, commuter,
2: where Spider-Man goes to the suburbs. Written by my, the awesome or, Peter David. Peter David. Peter David. <laughs> yeah, my daughter, I love her doing the voice of the little girl in there. I just thought that was hysterical. Uh, Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Looking forward to what you bring to the show. My questions are, what Spider-Man story is your favorite, and which, uh one do you hate the most?
4: Ooh, I'm going to have to be very Black Cat-centric with this, so pardon. Okay. But um, I think my favorite was when um, when Black Cat really endeared herself to me, was um, during the Back in Black arc, she had a very shiny moment when uh, Peter had just been mauled by the rhino. And, you know, Aunt May and MJ were all clutching their pearls, and she...
1: (laughs) (laughs) That made me think of (laughs) Waxer.
4: Well, no, they were all, all, you know, worried and upset. But Felicia actually goes out, and she acts like she's going to go take revenge on, you know, for Peter's sake. And you just need to, like, fight for his honor, essentially. And she's all you know, got herself all riled up to do this, to, to, you know, march up to Rhino and give her, give him a piece of her mind. But what she ends up doing, she just kind of sees him and she has this very human moment with the tree. She's just like, you know, I can't remember exactly what she said. It's been a while, but she essentially just talks him down and just says, you know, yeah. she, she just, she just has this moment and it, it was just a, a great moment showing just her, her loyalty to Peter and just her, her strengths, as, in, um, as an ally and kind of not a, a direct fighter, but just kind of that, you know, works out of the shadows and kind of in the woodworks, which I think is one of her she strengths.
2: She doesn't, have, she doesn't have that now.
4: No. No, she's, yeah. she's dressing up as the sexy scientist and yeah. running around and, you know, commanding guys with eight balls for heads. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where that goes. And then yeah. my least favorite then has to be one more day, which, while well, a part of me does appreciate for freeing up Spider Man and they could make my OTP happen. But, um. <laughs>
2: what? I'm out of loop. That's an abbreviation for what? One, true, one pairing. true pairing. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, no. One <laughs> true pairing. Okay. I would, I, if this was Wheel of Fortune, I'd be here all day. I have no idea. I may idea have to give this. Ashley up for adoption now.
0: Do <laughs> you need to brush up on your internet um, meme acronyms, Brad? Uh, oh, LOL. <laughs>
4: F you. <laughs> so anyways, I think it you know—it opened up that potential that you think I could be grateful for, but it just took away those years yeah. of development for her character, and it, it erased that moment where I loved her. I, I came to love her so much, and I thought she was just a very... You know, interesting character who did things differently, and just just nope, gone, and it's never addressed ever. So, I think I remember reading an article on here, which props to whoever wrote it for voicing my thoughts exactly, but that how a lot of her odd um, her odd decisions in the more recent comics, like since going back maybe three three four years could be attributed to this loss of you know character a- development.
3: Actually I think the, the piece you're talking about was written by the guy who had just asked this question. Ra- I oh, think hmm. this was Ryan
4: No I I think Donovan
3: wrote that didn't no, he? No, I think Ryan wrote it. It was uh, wasn't it uh
2: it pops up in the top
0: wasn't it like popular? a black cat uh friend oh, friend yeah. Friend it not did, foe yeah he did yeah I think that was um yeah he Ryan right. did write that for the about yeah, the black cat sense. thing yeah
2: I'm clicking on it right now let's read it mm-hmm. Let's see who wrote it. Ryan wrote it. Very oh, good. The guy, yeah. that, the guy that asked the question wrote that article. Yep. There you go. To my
3: memory's not so bad. Okay. No. Well, thank What's you for writing that article. <laughs> <laughs> Jolly jovial, Kr uh, Brad. Brad, yes, you didn't. He, he he had one final comment
2: for us. Oh, Merry Christmas, everyone!
1: Thank oh, you, Merry you,
2: Christmas. Man. Thanks, Ryan. Merry
3: Christmas to you, Ryan, to you and your family.
2: Yeah. Jolly jovial Jonas uh, from the Justice League Watchtower. Welcome, Ashley, to the crawl space. To everyone, have you seen the Sp- Star Wars teaser and what's that? <laughs> did we ever.
4: Such hype. Oh,
0: uh, w- the hype and real. I didn't
4: know, I oh, didn't know what
0: it was geeking out more over. The Soccer 2D2? Or. The... Soccer 2D2. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Uh, or. That's the. Uh, the lightsaber cross guard. even though yes, it's not very practical, and you know, it, you know did you see the
4: uh, Colbert report on that where he had? Oh no, rebuttal. I didn't get a
0: chance to see that, but I knew he, oh. did, so he was going to do something with that. But he actually I
4: mean, he he made it work. He he.
0: Well, don't spoil it because I want to see that. You know, go watch but, it. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to see some of the original cast members. Well, it's that. good they didn't because it's supposed to be a teaser. So, but. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I thought it was very bold with the fact they had John Boyega from uh, Attack to Block show up in the Stormtrooper outfit. Mm -hmm. A Stormtrooper, one of the heroes, which I think, oh, that's kind of... Yes. I
2: saw a great meme. I put it on my Facebook about uh, "You are not the droids we're, we're looking, looking for." <laughs> and thir- fast forward 30 years later, he is in the desert. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how sad are you about the ending of Superior Foes? And what did you think of the series as a whole? I didn't get the, the I, I didn't get to chime in on the spider
3: on the Star Wars teaser.
2: Feel free. You better get it fast. We're wow. wrapping this up with a bow. You're, you're, just, you're
3: just, just propelling us so so forward so quickly, <laughs> so fast as so um, I don't, a friend of mine uh, texted me and was like, uh, oh, my God, I'm blown away. I'm, I'm you know, freaking out about this. I had the exact opposite reaction. I didn't loathe it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this doesn't show me hardly anything. It does It, yeah. it doesn't show me a lot. I mean, it's got the, the tense buildup music and everything, and then it's got the, ooh, Star Wars, and look at the Millennium Falcon, and look at some X-Wings and stuff. We knew we were going to see that, mm-hmm. but it didn't – there's nothing in there that I cared about. Like Brad said, there's no none of the uh, of the legacy characters in there, you know. And I just I'm like I I'm sorry I was let down by it. I wanted to see more. Hmm. Yeah, I agree.
2: Uh, what did you think of the ending of Superior Foes? And what did you think of the series as a whole? I love the series as a whole. Uh, I love and the I, series as, as a
3: whole. Uh, actually, that's another one I can I can highly re- Brad and I can both highly recommend. Yeah. If you hold, I, I, see, if Superior Foes, yeah, if, if you like stuff that doesn't suck.
2: <laughs> if you
3: like stuff that's that is just viscerally funny.
2: Yeah. That's uh, a great it it is a fantastic
3: book. And mm-hmm.
2: um You can probably pick it up with two trades. Yeah. Well oh, yeah. oh, no, I think there's
3: I they've they've it, been releasing them as it goes along actually.
0: Oh, okay. 'Cause it's because uh, I, I, I thought it was going to be two trades or three trades.
3: I would love I to know. see like a like a hardback version of this come out. Mm-hmm. I I would probably get that. Mm-hmm. Um but it is it was a fantastic series, uh, loved the ending, and I, um, I I hope, and I've said this before, I hope that Spencer and Lieber get to do other stuff.
2: Man, if they got to do Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Well, Lieber's got another book. What did he just get assigned?
0: Um, he got to do – he's doing – I think he's doing Ant um, – he's not
1: no, – Ant-Man. No, I think
0: it's Spencer, or – is Nick Spencer doing Ant-Man? Or, no, yeah, yeah. Nick Spencer's the, the so? writer. Uh, Steve
2: Lieber's the yeah. artist.
0: Right. Uh, Spencer's doing, yeah, he's doing Ant-Man. And I think so. both uh, Spencer and Lieber are doing kind of an, independ- uh, kind of an indie to- comic right. called The Fix that's going to be coming out. I'm not sure which the, who the publisher is. But, oh, it's, an, it's one of the image books that's going to be coming out, I think, it, for next year. That they're going to be doing, I don't know what it's about or something, but that's what it's called. It's called The Fix.
2: Before we wrap this show up, I got one last question. The guy didn't put it on our message board, but he I think he got confused. Uh, he added it in the comment section, and it's spider related. Aimed at JR. So you got this last one, JR. Uh, it's from <laughs> Henry. Wake up, JR. Wake up, JR. You're going to wrap this show up. My Whoa. first issue of Spider Man was with Morbius. <laughs> At the end of the comic, Spider-Man grew four extra arms. I was so grossed out by the issue, I decided not to buy any more Spider-Man comics. Of course, I read (laughs) my my friend's collection, and I had quite a collection of my own going, but I was stuck on not buying any new issues. That was about 40-plus years ago. With the new number one of Spider-Man, I finally started up again. He has skipped from issue 101 to now.
1: That's a long, wow. big change. Wow. Dude,
2: wow. No. <laughs> with the new number one of Spider-Man, I finally start... So he stopped in, what, 71?
1: Just about, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: My God. Oh, All right, geez. 71 to 2014, he has a gap.
1: My God, how new... old is this guy?
2: <laughs> He's older than you. Uh, with the new number one of Spider-Man, I finally start up again. I enjoy listening to your, your broadcast as well. My question is this, Spider-Man and so it seems most of Marvel has been rehashing and rearranging the same original themes over and over again. Give the Hulk a different color, Iron Man a new suit, clone Spider-Man, give him a new suit, eliminate Mary Jane, bring back Mary Jane, eliminate, rinse and repeat. My question is this, what was it about the original Marvel characters that had so fertile, that was so fertile to last 50 to 75 years of time and why has it been so difficult? To create fresh ideas in superhero land, was it simply the times? Have the creative minds moved on to other mediums? Am I missing something? And what's your opinion? What, in your opinions, are the qualities that make a true true great superhero and cast of characters? My question is directed at JR. Oh, and please my. please add.
1: <laughs> You're asking. A, we're getting a question like that at quarter to three in the morning Eastern time. Oh, my heavens. <laughs>
2: Well, this guy's been out of loop since nineteen. 19- he's like, he's like silk. He's been in a, in a compound <laughs> da- since nineteen seventy one, and he just came out in twenty fourteen. And he bought issue one, mm. and he saw Spider Man half ass naked with a web around his ass.
1: Oh my!
2: God. He went from six arms <laughs> to a naked spider ass.
1: Mm. <laughs> oh boy! As I was to say, let me. Uh...
2: What was it about the original Marvel characters that was so fertile the last 50 to 75 years?
1: Well, Why
2: is it, boy, did, uh, why is it difficult, <laughs> difficult to create fresh ideas? Well,
1: one, I mean, you kind of answer your own question. Of why, why is it difficult to create fresh ideas now? Because it is 50 years later. And, yeah. uh, I mean, even, even though we all, we all do gripe about, uh, you know, why are they reusing the same ideas, blah, blah, blah. Well, in, in a way, it's almost inevitable uh there's only so many good ideas out there and uh there's only so many good stories out there and they're yeah. repeatedly told um boy what what a what what it, 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 what it what it was <laughs> it was a factor of so many different yeah. things it was a factor of the times that they debuted um the uh, the people who read them then the people who wrote them then um i don't know that you could do that i mean in a way and i personally i think Part of the reason that the the old superheroes survive is because they're they're they are kind of dated they are kind of cheesy um you know I don't like any of the modern takes on the superheroes to be honest because you know they they almost try to make them realistic and when they do that they lose something um, you know I mean it it's i I honestly can't even give you an adequate answer to this question at this particular time uh I mean it's a good question uh what you know but uh, it's it's more it's more involved than than I can give you right now
2: Any other thoughts before we wrap it up about that I everybody's sleeping <laughs> no <laughs> it's 3 a.m. <laughs> I don't have anything to I don't have anything to add
3: to what JR said
2: yeah. I got
3: stuff that I didn't get to that I wanted to say uh, about the the Spider-Man movie and Sony
2: Okay real quick <clears throat> All right
3: um <laughs> well, no. Here's, there's, there's two things that, that, and I, and I started thinking about this when I was reading the m- most recent issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Um, number one, and, you know, and Mike kind of made me think about this when he talked about a Spider-Girl non-Spider-Girl movie earlier. <laughs> um, what would be more appealing, do you think, to a mass audience, a Sinister Six movie or a Spider-Girl movie?
4: Hmm. Probably Spider-Girl. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you've got one character to focus on.
3: Um, yeah. You're
4: it, reaching out to a wider audience.
3: It's starting to make me think that Sony doesn't have the rights to the character. You know what I mean? To because, Spider-Girl? I, yeah, because as Ashley just pointed out, you know, the, and I didn't mean to cut off you listing the scripts uh. of, of what that is, but there's more reasons to do a Spider-Girl movie than to do, I at least in my mind, but then again, I'm not a backwards-ass Sony executive. a Sinister Sinister Six movie.
4: I think they're trying to to appeal to the what they think are, you know, the the more hardcore comic book fans that are like, look guys, look, look, we're doing Sinister Six, you know. We we're listening to you, we know what, you know, you want to see. Sinister Six is cool. Yeah, but they're whereas they would consider like something like Spider Girl to be too niche, I guess, and not too um not something people would want to see in the mainstream. Because, like, how how Mm -hmm. relevant is this to Spider-Man, I I guess? Maybe it's branching off too much.
3: I see Spider-Girl as as something that could be a sleeper hit. Mm -hmm. And if you actually do it with Mayday, and you actually do it with an older Peter and an older Mary Jane, but a Spider-Girl movie could be a sleeper hit, and suddenly Mm -hmm. I see thousands of fan videos with sad emo songs (laughs) using slow-mo clips of the movie, you know, like every other damn thing (laughs) that there is, you
1: know I mean? I feel like if they
4: did that... it would be too confusing to a general audience to be like, "Oh, wait, suddenly Peter and MJ have a kid, but wait, what happened to like they, they were Squint and but the the Kirsten Dunn's, It, it right. gets too. Right. They, they'd have to be careful about. Couldn't where you explain they that? It.
3: I mean, just on the poster and say Spider Man's
0: daughter. So I, yeah, but they would. <laughs> Yeah, but then you gotta go. Which 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 version is it? Is it the first three films or is it it the with uh, Tobey Maguire or is it going to be the Andrew Garfield? This
2: this this conversation will be continued on the message board. (laughs) Oh yeah, Phil, Phil, I am (laughs) wrapping me off. Things. (laughs) I am. I'm gonna I'm gonna go around the horn for final thoughts. Jr. Final thoughts, sir. Uh,
1: it's 13 till three in the morning, and I want to go to bed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Mike, final thoughts. Well, I like to. Um, I think I like to welcome Ashley again for be joining us and yeah. keeping us boy straight and narrow and not <laughs> swaying too <laughs> off track. Oh my lord!
3: <laughs> yeah, because I that, someone's going to hate on me on
2: iTunes. Uh... Four stars.
4: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
3: Now, my uh, jo- George, final thoughts. My final thoughts are: number one, Merry Christmas, to everybody again. Yep. Number
1: two, suck it, Douglas. <laughs> you got a third one? No.
4: Yeah, that I'm a goddamn okay. monster. <laughs>
1: well, that's, that's a given. So.
2: <laughs> Ashley, final thoughts?
4: Uh, well, just thanks to everyone for the very warm welcome. I wish I could respond to them individually, but I thought it'd be better to just give everyone a big thank you for the welcome and the congratulations um, the, the panelists and um, message board posters alike. So I'm yeah. glad to you be did, here.
2: You did great for your first month, you did great. If it makes
3: hey. you feel, if it makes you feel good, actually, I, you actually, I, I figured you would be good, but you, you actually surpassed what I had, what I thought you would actually bring.
2: Saint here. Same here. <laughs> oh. oh, Chuck. Warm Christmas hug. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>